Hi, I'm Eva Makovic, and you're listening to the Reader's Digest podcast, in which we navigate the woes and wonders of modern life with leading experts on the tools that you need to survive and thrive in a modern world. On today's show, Anna Walker speaks to author Beth Kempton about her new book, Calm Christmas, and how to maintain your well-being in winter and remain calm and mindful during the busy Christmas period. Joining us for this, Beth. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Christmas is one of my favourite subjects to talk about, so it's always a delight. And Christmas is often billed as a time of joy and rest, but for many of us, it can easily become one of the most stressful times of the year. What did you set out to achieve when you started writing this book? Well, I love Christmas, and I've always loved Christmas since I was a little girl, but then I had children. And everything changed. And I don't mean that I don't love it anymore, but there was a time when my two children were very, very small when I thought it would be all about magic. Mm. And actually, it was incredibly stressful. Um, I was stressed out by the amount of presents they got. My eldest daughter was born on Christmas Day, so there's a double whammy, Um, especially on her first birthday, because obviously the the day she was born, we really didn't take much notice of anything. Mm. But the year after, it was so obvious. Baby's first Christmas, birthday, and just so many gifts and so much stuff we didn't need and so much waste and so much of our day spent unwrapping presents it was crazy and so that and also um the Christmas after that we hosted and my whole family just to make it easy for yourself (laughs) and I had so I had a second baby um and my other one was obviously a toddler by then and my family's lovely but somehow I felt like I was doing everything except for the cooking which my husband was doing in the kitchen which was a separate room from where we were most of the time and it was just kind of chaos and everyone missing all the bits they wanted to see we ended up spending the whole day in the house and we love being outside at Christmas and we got to the end of the day and me and my husband just kind of collapsed on the sofa with a mince pie (laughs) and mulled wine going what just happened and by the way I don't like turkey so why did I just spend six hours and I was like what do you mean you don't like turkey I don't like turkey either let's never eat turkey again does anybody really love turkey it's such a mainstay of Christmas celebrations but I hardly ever meet someone who says turkey yep that's the meat for me but how many people eat it right everyone (laughs) and I was like who's who's watching like if we don't eat turkey what's going to happen? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> We're just going to enjoy our dinner more. So we, it was a real kind of turning point just in our family saying, actually, you know, we've got two small children who we're going to, they're going to be growing up in our house, a house that loves Christmas. How do we make memories that they're going to remember? How do we make Christmas wonderful, but also a time of rest and rejuvenation for us? Because as parents and hosts and all, all of these things who want to do everything, it can be a time of a lot of doing 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 and rush and pressure and all these things not to mention the money which is a big source of stress for lots of people I'm sure we'll talk about that Mm. um but just to think of it as an opportunity for rest and rejuvenation is quite unusual I think but it's a brilliant time for that so we wanted to create a new kind of Christmas and we've done that over the past few years and it's made such a difference and my joy for Christmas has come back again and um I just I was listening to a lot of conversations of people stressing out about Christmas, either in the run-up to it or afterwards. Kind of similar thing, but all sorts of different reasons and situations. 
saying, oh, I wish we hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't spent that time with this person or whatever. And it seemed like almost people felt their Christmas was being stolen from them because of other people's ideas about Christmas. And so with the book Calm Christmas, I wanted to write something that really invited people to spend some time in December thinking, or earlier, uh, thinking about what they really want Christmas to be and finding a way to make that. Yeah, and that's what I really enjoyed about the book was this step away from the sort of checklist approach to Christmas of have we done this, have we sorted this, have I bought this, thrown enough money at this, and actually focusing on being present in the moment of Christmas itself. Yeah, which is so much more magical, and you, I think you create a lot more memories doing that, and it's often so much cheaper. Which is better in all respects. <laughs> yes. So the first example you use in the book of how Christmas doesn't always go to plan is the rather um, spectacular story of the birth of your daughter. Could you talk us through that a little bit? Yes, certainly. So uh, my daughter was born in Brighton, and she was due on December the 11th, but she was two weeks late, in inverted commas. And um, I went into hospital, I think, to be induced on the 22nd, so I was fully expecting to be home by Christmas. Um, But as the day itself approached, Christmas Eve was there, and this huge storm blew in and the hospital in Brighton, um, the maternity unit is very high up a tower overlooking the sea. Mm-hmm. And um, when you have been taken into a room, you actually get a private room on the NHS. Amazing. Um, and they have huge windows that look out over the sea. And you could just see this storm bashing against the beach and the pier you know, flashing in the <laughs> distance and all this. And it, I, I literally felt like the, the windows were going to be sucked out of that building. This wind was so loud, rattling around it. And then it went just past midnight and there's this big flash of silver in the sky. And in the middle of this lightning storm, my daughter arrived. <laughs> and I really feel like she brought Christmas magic into our world. And she is 100% convinced that she has Christmas magic mm. and all sorts of magical things go on around <laughs> Christmas due to her, I'm sure. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a real... I think, you know, I was obviously exhausted yeah. and I was very pumped with drugs that time, not the next time. but surreal, seeing all of that vivid storm when you're in a, obviously, very heightened mindset. Yes, well. and of course I was looking out to see what I could see flying across the sky <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't possibly tell you what I saw. <laughs> but I won't, I won't forget that night for many yeah. reasons. <laughs> No, it was certainly a memorable way. And and actually, I think as soon as it had gone past midnight and I knew she'd be born on Christmas Day, I was like, of course, she was always going to be born on Christmas yeah. Day with someone with such a love of Christmas. Yeah. It just seemed to make so much sense. Yeah, absolutely. And is she old enough now that you can tell her that story at Christmas and she knows the story of her? Well, when Calm Christmas came out, we showed her and it explains it in it. And actually, so, so her story opens the book. Mm-hmm. And then there's a story about my younger daughter at the end um, called Believe in Magic. And something really special happened with her as well last Christmas. Um, and so they kind of bookend the story yeah. of Christmas and they love that. If you think back to your childhood, whether you had a wonderful experience of Christmas or whether you had an idea of what Christmas could be, even if that's not what you actually always experienced maybe you've got particular memories that jump out and if you think about them carefully it's very often not associated with what you actually received an actual object it's often associated with presents but that's the anticipation of the presents and the seeing them and the unwrapping but the actual things I was trying to write a list of the things that I received at every age and it you know I could probably name five things and each of the things that I could name were when my parents had 
obviously because I had some presents from my parents and some presents from Father Christmas and where my parents had very clearly thought about the things that I love or the dreams that I had like if I said I want to be a writer and I got you know a toy typewriter or something like that where it's connected to something that I really held dear yeah those are the things that I remember and the peripheral stuff of which there were many many I don't. Do you remember? What was your best ever Christmas present? Oh, I would, well, I was just thinking, similarly to you, it's not presents specifically I remember, but it's the traditions my parents created. So we did the classic leaving out a mince pie and milk for Father Christmas, but we'd also leave carrots for the reindeer. And they always had um, realistic bites out of them, which I always... They're not realistic, they're real. Oh, sorry. <laughs> real, authentic. Bring this alive with, with big teeth. But big what? teeth. I'm just thinking in hindsight, I'm sure it was the reindeer, but if it wasn't <laughs> then my dad or mum must have carefully carved out these teeth marks into the carrot and that's just so special to think of to that much effort and detail um, to create this magic around Christmas because that, that all comes from a place of love which is where a lot of presents come from but I think yeah. when you think there are so many ways that you can tell people that you care for them that don't all involve buying stuff or even gathering everybody you know I think some people with big family feel that they have to get together on Christmas Day. No other day counts, yeah. which means people have to travel when there's no trains or, you know, just through the snow or whatever it is. And it's just like, ease up a bit and think, what do you want to do rather than what do I feel like I should do? And you, I think you get a very different picture of what it mm. looks like, don't you? Absolutely. Barbie typewriter. That was Barbie typewriter! Yeah. Oh, wow. Thing, which makes sense for, you know, I always loved writing and writing stories and, yeah, that's why it stands out. And look at you, you're a magazine editor. I See? I mean, if I could still write in Barbie pink ink, I probably would. <laughs> but isn't that brilliant? Like, really, and that shows that, like, you've people have really listened to yeah. what you say that you're interested in yeah. and supported that idea. Yeah, and that's what made it so special, absolutely. It's clearly all about the typewriters. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about a strange gift for a, for a child a typewriter but it was epic it was really, really cool pink ink I think it was scented it was great you have to send scented it well wow. <laughs> I'm thinking of scratch and sniff those yes. things. you have to send a letter to Santa maybe and, yeah. and thank him and tell yeah. him what difference it's made yeah was, you mentioned there about how so many people put pressure on the day itself and the tradition of everyone coming together do you think the explosion of representations of the perfect Christmas in films, in you know, advertising now is such a big thing, getting excited for brands' Christmas adverts to come out, has all that representation led to us having unrealistic expectations for our own festive experiences? Absolutely. And the irony is, I think, over recent years, those big branded very commercial adverts that have so much money thrown at them and, you know, lots of people, that's part of their Christmas tradition, to watch the ads, which is, of course, absolutely fine. They're the most poignant ones, stories, are not about things, yeah. even though the brands are all about selling you things. So even the people selling the things are not using things to, yeah. to tell you about Christmas. You know, it's the where that the famous like it's a snowman. You know, like the, one of my favourite ones I think was John Lewis, the snowman with a snow girlfriend mm-hmm. and the mittens. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like one tiny little, very cheap object that was yeah. all about like taking care of someone and keeping them warm or there's you know children dreaming of stuff and it's so much about ideas and concepts and connection and just being with people Mm. and they are very smart people the people that make those adverts and they realize that you know and I think yeah I mean if you look at movies I think Hollywood has a lot to answer for Mm. as well as being 
a really important part of Christmas for so many people you know why do we hope for snow in England when it never snows in England at Christmas but we you know we we still we sing songs about it and we think it might even though it doesn't (laughs) and it's so funny there's always almost like a crazy madness that comes with Christmas which is fine because that makes it different from the rest of the year especially in a really dark season but yeah I think that with social media especially because before there were there were movies and there was telly but when you add social media into the mix and you can see inside people's homes and you can see that their decorations are beautiful and that they made so much with their children perfectly they're perfectly dressed children in their very (laughs) expensive branded clothes and you know or they've you know got their beautiful car that they've covered in christmas lights and stuff and you can't afford a car or whatever there's just so many opportunities for comparison and for putting yourself down and for wishing for something other than what you've got i think you have to be really mindful at christmas and if you're looking on social media specifically think about why am i scrolling right now especially if it's you know christmas eve or christmas day or whatever and if it's because you know you you are in a situation where you feel lonely or this christmas is really hard whatever then then it's, it can be a brilliant place to go for inspiration but that depends who you're looking at you know yeah. if you're reading poetry or listening to somebody who you know loves nature and is sharing beautiful posts about you know this christmas going out into the woods or whatever that's a very different experience from following a interior design blogger yeah. or somebody who's you know got 15 friends around the house all the time and that's what they post about so I think you can I'm absolutely not saying don't watch movies don't watch telly don't watch social media but you you can choose you don't have to look at all of that do you yeah and I suppose being mindful of the way you're uploading to social media as well like what is your intention behind putting this picture up are you trying to capture certain moments with the intention of social media behind it or are you actually doing it because you love it and you're enjoying it at that moment too I think that is one of the most important questions that we have to answer about social media that we haven't figured out yet and Christmas is really important for that because you know especially Facebook like if when you share a picture of your happy family on Christmas day oh isn't you know that's the moment to be with your happy family why you on Facebook is one thing and also there are so many people who haven't got that and might be looking because they haven't got that going on and actually is there a way that you can be kind with your posting almost like a gift to the people that aren't you know lucky enough to experience what you're experiencing this year and I had a I actually had a big question about this and asked about it on my own Instagram and it was something it was specifically to do with children because when I was writing Calm Christmas I gathered hundreds of stories from 37 countries around the world all sorts of people and lots of people shared very personal, poignant stories of Christmas because that's what Christmas does. It opens people up to share these things. And what I was most surprised about was the huge number of stories of people having a difficult time at Christmas, but specifically um, people who really want children, can't have them, and suffer a kind of deep grief at Christmas, especially those who've had miscarriages, for example, because they the timing wise they might have been expecting Christmas with a new baby and then they go and share time with family especially if family have got other children and everyone tries to make everything happy happy and nobody's acknowledging the fact that this is not how they thought it was going to be and it's really difficult for them and there's one particular lady who'd had three miscarriages in two years or something and she was like Christmas was so hard and we had to literally say to our mother and mother-in-law please don't make such a thing about 
the grandchildren Mm -hmm. just for the two hours that we're with you because it's so hard and I think just acknowledging that and it's not saying don't post anything about your children but just recognizing that there are people with all sorts of things going on in their life and Mm. um both in terms of posting but also just in terms of how you connect with people yeah um and and what you talk to them about around christmas yeah because you're part of a larger story once you're posting onto social media it's not just sort of your life anymore it's talking about your life directly to other people absolutely yeah Yeah. and you just don't know who's watching do you It it is a real responsibility to it i think so you're mentioning loss at Christmas there, and something particularly difficult is coping with loss at Christmas. It's such an anticipated time of year, and if you're grieving a loved one, it's really tough. Um, what advice might you have for people in this position or supporting somebody who's coping with loss? Well, I spoke to a lot of people, sadly, who had had that kind of experience, and I think it is something that actually nearly everyone experiences in some kind of way. Um, there are many kinds of grief, some to do with, of course, people who've passed, Mm-hmm. others to do with estranged families as a kind of grief for people even if the the situation day in day out is what they want there is a sadness connected with what it used to be or what perhaps they once thought it could be we've talked about um people who want to have children there are many kinds of grief that affect people at christmas and i think christmas is really a microcosm of our lives and everything comes into focus and so if it's a sad time this year then it feels more everything feels more intense at Christmas and so I asked those people like how in people who've had experience of it over many years perhaps because they lost someone a long time ago um and people who are anticipating this as their first Christmas where there's going to be an empty chair or um whatever their situation is and the single most common response was to be asked what they wanted to do at Christmas and then for people to respect that. So it might be that actually they want to do everything they used to do at Christmas. It might be that they don't want to do anything that reminds them of the Christmases they used to have. It might be that they want everyone to be fakely happy just for Mm. one day. It might be that they want to set a place at the table for that person and have a moment to raise a glass to them. There are so many ways that you could deal with that situation it's not doesn't make it not difficult but if collectively the people who are gathering on that one day can have a conversation as early as possible like away from christmas not on christmas day what should we do today you know just so that everyone is anticipating that and also to say you're very welcome to come you don't have to come if you don't want to, you know. Yeah. And um, some come as you are as well. Yes. Whether you're feeling super Christmassy or you're feeling a bit rubbish. Yes. And if you want to, you know, if if you're going to be miserable all day, that's you're welcome as that person, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, connected to that, there are um, a large number of people who have had an experience of someone being very ill at Christmas or very very old at Christmas, mm-hmm. and having a real sense that this is going to be the last Christmas for that person. And that although the last thing they really wanted to do was travel 500 miles and spend Christmas with 20 people, they decided that that was their gift to that person this year and that next year would be all about exactly how they wanted to spend Christmas. So, you know, just them and their husband or or whatever. Um, And that sometimes almost sacrificing one Christmas is a wonderful gift for somebody else that you don't regret. Um, That's a very different situation from doing what everybody else wants year in year out you know so it's um i think in all these things it's about being conscious about what you want 
and also what experiences, grief or otherwise, people are bringing to the Christmas table from that year. You know, it might have been an incredible year for people and there's so much to celebrate. It might be that people have been made redundant and money's really hard and actually let's do Christmas presents in this way or not at all or let's all write each other a poem or let's limit it to everyone buying a book or whatever you want to do, just being really conscious about what's coming with that person when they come to Christmas Um, and being willing to talk about it yourself if you're the one who's saying you know what this Christmas this is what I really need um can you help me with that and if not remember that it's your choice yeah how you spend it so you don't have to go and be around those people if you don't want to I think what you say about just asking the question is so crucial I think people are often actually quite afraid to say how do you want me to be because it feels like we should just know. We should already know how to support that person instinctively, how to create the ideal Christmas day for them. But sometimes that can be the worst thing. I mean, especially with loss of a loved one, the sort of idea sometimes that you should just do Christmas as normal and not even talk about that person, not even acknowledge it, can actually be one of the most damaging things you can do. Yeah, but you're not going to know that. And they might not know that until Christmas day. And it might be, can we just play it by ear yeah. and ask me again? You know, yeah. but the fact that you've had that conversation is is really important. And I think then if you do decide to gather, and especially if you're staying together, to make sure there's a quiet place that any of you, but especially that person, can go to, and they know, you know, if you want to go off for a walk anytime, here's a key. You know, if you want to, here's put some magazines and a nice cosy space like chair in their bedroom, whatever. It's like don't feel like you have to be with us all the time, mm-hmm. um, and just to keep like the schedule loose so that people can come go and I think that actually goes for everybody in every gathering if you're having groups of you know families come together whatever to give children a quiet place to go and hang out if they want to when it all this you know everything is just a bit too much um I think it makes a massive difference if especially when you're staying for multiple days a few hours you can probably get away with but when you're talking about five days together with a bunch of people it can be for anybody and especially if you're you know you're a sensitive person you're an introvert and not everybody who's there is, then their expectation of how Christmas is celebrated might be really different, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's such an important thing. If you've got, especially family together, that sense that you need to all sit in a room and look at each other and talk to each other constantly <laughs> for a few days, is, that's an intense pressure. And you end up drinking and eating because yeah. it's a distraction mm-hmm. often. And then and you get it full and irritable. And yes, tired. and fight <laughs> yeah. and get more drunk and then yeah. insult each other and it just goes downhill from well, that. That's tradition. <laughs> well, that is, that is tradition for some people. That is true. But that's also a tradition that you can let go of if you want yeah, to. definitely. <laughs> There's a real focus in the book on thoughtful planning for Christmas and plenty of tools to help with that. But what do you mean when you say thoughtful planning as opposed to the sort of organisation many of us might already be working on? So being mindful about it, and I think it, it comes back to the question which I really invite people to spend some time with a journal or just with a cup of coffee in your favourite cafe alone and say, what kind of Christmas do I want and need this year? And then before Christmas, insert a word, so obviously the book is calm Christmas mm. but I think any word that's not perfect yeah. is is great so it might be that you want a quiet Christmas that you want a joyful Christmas that you want a riotous Christmas because you've got so much to celebrate um whatever it is if you choose that 
then that becomes a filter for every decision. So do I host everyone this year? Do I go to this particular event? Do I want to, you know, if you've said I want a sustainable Christmas, I want a cheap Christmas, like, you know, whatever it is, do I buy gifts for my cousin's children? No, not this year. And it's just a really good filter. And if you can build that into your planning, um, actually with the book comes a whole free digital um, care package which includes a specific tool which helps you plan based on your personality so what kind of events are going to be nourishing for you instead of incredibly stressful you know if you if you're somebody who's terrified at the idea of 15 people coming to your house and don't have a drink party you know but but and it sounds really obvious but we get sucked into other people's ideas of things um and so being really conscious about that at the beginning and um choosing things which match your idea of what christmas what's important at christmas um which in the book you can filter through the five stories of christmas Mm. um which is a really interesting tool um having that with the combination of what kind of Christmas do you want to create really helps you and I think it's much easier to let things go then it feels like there's a logic to it yeah I don't need to host that massive party or maybe I do maybe this is the first time I'm just going to invite my entire village to come and have you know mulled wine and mince pies why not if that's what's going to make you feel happy I think there is a sense in which for introverted people especially there's there's a moment where you brace yourself before the Christmas season begins and you think okay, well, I'm just going to have to say yes, 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 and get through it all as quick as possible and out the other side to resting between Christmas and New Year. And that tool certainly sounds very helpful for (laughs) taking stock a bit more and and being conscious about all those individual decisions you're making. Yeah, and recognising where your energy is going and when you're feeling depleted. Um, And and actually, in in the book, there's um, someone shared some beautiful tips about um, preparing yourself for Christmas if you have a chronic illness. Mm. And... um, one of them I I actually think all her tips are brilliant for anybody and one of them was for example um was get ready to leave the party before you feel you need to go because leaving a Christmas party takes 20 or 30 minutes which if you've got chronic illness which is getting worse by the minute that's going to make it really hard um but all these things about um building you know consider your energy levels and maybe two events a week is the most for you and know that and then just say no to the other ones because for me the time between Christmas and New Year is one of the most precious times of the year and you don't want that to be your recovery from a crazy Christmas you want to get to Christmas having enjoyed everything and maybe having had a little bit too much sweet food of course that's totally fine but also being nourished having fed yourself good food as well throughout December and then using that time to think about the year ahead and what you want to invite rather than just having to you can sleep if you want but it seems a bit of a waste when you can it's such a beautiful time for being out in nature or having a creative day or planning you know yeah. for the year ahead taking stock of what's happened in the year past yes and and also really importantly writing down specifically what worked about christmas and what didn't while it's fresh in your mind put it in your journal and then when you come back to like september next year go oh yes that person that person was a really bad combination let's not do that this year you know like really specific details and then over over time over the years you'll build up a catalogue of all the things to avoid (laughs) your shoulders will drop with each each Christmas yes yeah because we do look back with with not 100% accuracy don't we oh definitely there's a sort of Christmas amnesia that's (laughs) and then you're like oh we did it again (laughs) yeah well you'll only notice when those two people are sat together again and you think oh (laughs) yes (laughs) I remember why that was a bad idea exactly 
But there's also a temptation when it comes to planning for presents to throw money at the problem and think, I don't know what to buy that person, I'll get them something expensive, and then it, it's okay that I didn't really know what to get. And many people end up in debt as the festive season comes to a close. Do you have any advice for how people can avoid that temptation to overspend during the holiday season? Yeah, and it, and the statistics are insane. Mm-hmm. It's like 90% of people put Christmas on the credit card, so it gets paid for in January. Yeah. And the average person in Britain spends £54,000 on Christmas in their lifetime. That is a quarter of the cost of the average house in the yeah. UK. I mean, it's just a crazy amount of money, right? Yeah, and so you're absolutely right, and people doing that left, right and centre. I think it's £11 billion a year that the UK spends, and it's a trillion dollars a year in America. <laughs> And it's really interesting that I think money is, especially as Christmas gets closer, is thrown at the problem, like you say, to fix it. It's really important to remember that gifting is a social contract and that if you give a gift to me, I feel obliged to give a gift to you. And if you give a gift to me that's worth £100 and I have a sense that it's that, if I've given you a gift that's worth £10, I feel rubbish. Mm. And so the result of your gift, which was well-intentioned and um, kind is actually making me feel bad, which is not a great present, right? (laughs) And I think we often don't think about that. It might be that you've got a lot more money than me, but the mindful thing is not to actually share your wealth Mm -hmm. by giving me something really expensive. It's to consider what I can afford to give you and make me feel like I'm equal financially, all these kinds of things. So my number one thing to think about is, do we need to give somebody a Christmas present this year? I think there's a lot of people who we automatically buy a present for because we bought them a present last year and the year before and the year before. And, it, you know, I think that's really the case with the children of friends and cousins and stuff because, you know, someone has a baby and then you buy them a present because they're a baby and then they're a little toddler and it's really easy, you know, buy them a book or a toy or whatever. And they get older and older and you keep buying them. And like, when do you stop? When they're like 26? Mm-hmm. When they're 35? You know? Yeah, you've got that five-year streak of Lynx box sets when you don't know what yes. else to buy them. <laughs> and then the teenager going, everyone thinks I smell. Yeah. <laughs> it's not helping. <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, so asking that question I think is really important. So should, you, so should we gift, gift at all? But the most caring, mindful thing you can do is to ask that question to start with. And it's not just because of your circumstances, but also their circumstances. And then I think it's about thinking of what would be meaningful to that person. So what kind of a year have they had? What are their dreams? What are they trying to do or change in the world? What are they interested in? What are they curious about? What kind of conversations have we had this year? That if I give them this thing, it will show them that I was listening those kind of things are the things that people remember and you know there's been in a really good way there's been a big trend towards experiences over presents over gifts you know physical things which is brilliant but it still has the money factor because experiences are often more expensive and there's a difference between an experience which is like here's a hundred quid on something go and do that versus my time and giving time is like the most precious commodity we have these days you know and so actually I think one of the most lovely things you can do is think about how you can give some of your time to somebody and you know that might be as simple as I'll come and mow your lawn or Mm. I'm going to bake you a different cake every month this year Mm -hmm. or I'm going to invite you out for coffee um whatever or take you on a magical mystery tour it doesn't matter what it is but something that means you and I get to spend some time together and you can People love presents wrapped. You can write it on a piece of paper. You can you can buy something tiny 
that represents that thing mm. or like print out a photograph of the cafe where you're going to take them oh, in the middle of January when it's chucking it down with the rain, you know, um, and wrap that up. Then And you can bet that that is the present that people are going to remember mm. and it costs you a cup of tea and a piece of cake. Absolutely. I mean, in my family, we're quite a big gathering on Boxing Day and we used to do all of us presents for each other and most of the day would be spent unwrapping presents, watching other people unwrap presents. And, you know, lovely when you watch someone open something that you've thought about and you've taken your time with, but the last few years we've said, nope, no more. Yeah. Now we do a secret Santa, each person gets one present each. You have way more time to catch up, talk to each other, play yeah. games, and it's so much better. And you're only thinking about one present and if you know, like a month in advance, I've got... £10 to spend on this person you're going to think about that a lot mm. right rather than I mean the thing that really just kind of tears at my heart is when you're in the supermarket and someone's standing next to three for two aisle and they're like that'll do for so and so and so and I'm like if you're saying that'll do for you probably shouldn't be getting them a present yeah. you know um, and it just makes the whole process more interesting for you as well I think that rather than rushing out to the shops when it's chaotic and noisy and all that stuff christmas shopping in a small town with lovely lights and a hot chocolate that's an amazing experience at christmas mm. but you know what i mean in the airless shopping mall and all the people yeah. shoving and you're like oh it's gonna you know christmas eve and uh, shops close in half an hour bye bye <laughs> bye 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 that's a very different experience to you know sitting down and going right how can i give that person some time or something really caring you know a a course that they're really interested in or you know something like that and how can I package that up in a physical way so they've got something to open um but that isn't something that I bought in a shop it's really interesting if you start thinking about that for the people that you're going to be gathering with at Christmas the ideas just come out of nowhere I think is there a way that you'd suggest so if you want to kind of break that cycle of oh I always buy presents for my cousin's children's niece or however distant the connection is how do you begin that conversation to say look this year I think this needs to change because it can feel quite an awkward conversation to have it can but it will probably be a relief for the other person I mean I've had that conversation a lot over the last couple of years and even with some of my business partners that we really appreciate each other and we really want to celebrate each other and so our kind of our Christmas presents have tended to be of a value in relation to how good a year we've had in the business and all those kinds of things and it's just got a bit crazy really um, and one of them said to me, should we just not do presents this year? And I was like, yeah, fine. <laughs> End of conversation. Yes. And then that gave me permission to say it to, the, to another one. And she was like, yeah, yeah, totally. That's, that's good. And, you know, if that, someone's family situation has changed that year and they might be short of money or something, then you can be sure they're going to be happy about that. So yeah. I think it is just a conversation. And, yeah. and saying, and it might be that you, if you feel like you can't do nothing, that you say, I'm thinking about this kind of present this year. Mm-hmm. How could we, you know, what could we do that would be good for so-and-so that's not a plastic toy? Yes. And have a conversation. But it might be um, also good to remember that there are some people that you might feel, I can't just go cold turkey and buy nothing for any of these people. There's some people that's easy win and some people it's going to take some courage to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Actually, the way that you gift educates other people Mm. you know if you give somebody a really mindful thoughtful gift that they remember then next time they're buying for somebody else they're gonna well that thing that I got that I love that I think they'd like a version of that you know and so it's a very subtle way of I think educating other people um in in lovely ways to gift 
you're starting to shape the tradition yourself. Yeah. How you're acting. Absolutely. So I think we're just about out of time. So the last question I've got for you, what are you most excited about for Christmas Day this year? <gasps> well, last year we moved to Devon a couple of months before Christmas and we were staying in a rented house um, and we lived in one room and worked from one room. My husband um, works with me and with two children and we weren't allowed to stick any decorations up on the wall but it didn't matter because all our decorations were in storage anyway mm-hmm. so we had a very um it, it wasn't a very decorated christmas at all or anything um and then this year um we bought a little thatched cottage in devon and it's 500 years old oh. and it has lovely big fireplaces and real christmas tree from the farm around the corner and so we're going to have a really for the first time in quite a, in a couple of years we're absolutely delighted to invite all our family because we have a big kitchen table yeah. um, and just a really simple fires on cozy christmas and a walk on the beach oh that sounds absolutely perfect <laughs> well thanks so much for joining us and merry christmas and a calm <laughs> christmas to you yeah. <laughs> Christmas by Beth Kempton is available in all good bookstores. Please rate and review our podcast if you enjoy what we do and tell us about how you cope with the pressures of Christmas on Facebook or tweet us at Reader's Digest UK. For more stories about health, food and culture, subscribe to our newsletter by going to readersdigest.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.